This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. I was a little bit trepid uh, when I watched the video. Now, I didn't know I had a fear of heights Maybe I really don't, but I do get nervous when I go up in heights. Now, I fly all the time, but maybe my chink in my armor may be heights. I don't know. Who here has a concern of heights? I won't say fear. Well, today is a sermon about bravery. And a lot of people don't realize that bravery is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, we don't consider that in the classification of the fruits inspired by the Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, there's a scripture that says explicitly that the coward shall not what? Enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've, throughout history, I've struggled with making a distinction between fear and cowardice. But today's sermon helped me. I was preparing to make the distinction. Now, as I said, I prepare these sermons um, uh, years in advance, to be honest. Can I have the clicker? It's my fault. I should have been prepared. No! Oh, Oh, thank you. He'll see. He still did it. I couldn't even see, bro. Nevertheless, um, today's sermon we're going to discuss bravery. But I'm going to come from the context of fear. Now, fear is an emotion. Now, we know God doesn't give us a spirit of what? But a spirit of 
God does not give it a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love. Some people interpret it as sound mind. The other interpret it as what? Self-control. But it's interesting as we jump into today's topic, I don't have a lot of time today because convenience, we want to go through it pretty quickly, but I think we're going to get to the heart of today's message. In my mind, I never made a distinction between fear and cowardice. I thought they were the same thing. But today's scripture really shed a light on the distinction for me. Here, uh, we're going to hear of Timothy's receiving Paul's last instructions. Most scholars believe this is one of the pastoral epistles, and Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul at this time is in a Roman jail, and he's not getting good news. Why? Because he's in Italy, and he's about to be beheaded. So Paul's race is coming to a conclusion. He lived well, and he finished strong. That's what Paul did. But in the midst of him being in jail, he's writing a letter to Timothy encouraging him to be brave, to be bold. Now, how brave? Or why does Paul encourage Timothy to do that? Because Timothy is going to face opposition now and in the future. Timothy, we most scholars believe, that was a bishop of Ephesus or the pastor there. Timothy was martyred there. He was killed in Ephesus, beaten by rods. So Timothy doesn't know this yet, but he knows eventually it's coming. Because Paul's career, he has constantly been tortured, beaten, going through hard times for one reason, for the point of the gospel. Now you're like, oh, pastor, here we go again. Understand this. Starting next week, our sermons changed dramatically. So over the first three years, we've been preaching on topics surrounding endurance. And I always say endurance is really staying faithful to God despite opposition, despite disappointment, despite pain, despite fear, despite sin. Our responsibility is to stay faithful to God. That's our responsibility. That's called endurance. Now, it's not the old Protestant endurance ethic that you can't lose your salvation. That's not what endurance is according to the scriptures that I see it. What I see is endurance is bearing under the challenges in such a way that God still gets glory out of your life. We've been discussing that for the first three years, and I've driven hundreds of people away from this church because people don't want to hear that they have to endure in their faith. People want to hear, when I come to God, it's all peaches and cream, but you don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Nowadays, people, when they're preaching, they, they go to the good stuff and they leave the hard stuff alone. But you know, Because you've been here for three years, most of you, well, some of you. And for those who have, I've been faithful at preaching what the scriptures convey over the last three years. That's never going to change. But understand where we're going, it may sound different. We're going to discuss the Father's heart over the course of the next year. And then the following year, we're going to get into the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and how it just functions throughout humanity's history. But understand, endurance is always going to be there for us. We have a church of broken people. And do you understand brokenness is something that necessitates endurance? Because a lot of times when you're broken, what I found nowadays, people stay away from God. We've had this discussion amongst the leaders nowadays. People, when they're struggling, sometimes they say, oh, I'm not going to go to church till I get it together. And on the other hand, sometimes people say, oh, I get it all together, so I don't need to go to church. This is the culture we live in today. I'm not saying it's schizophrenic, but it's hard to reach their hardcore now because people don't see church the way they used to. So what we do is keep preaching the message of Jesus Christ because that's why he sent us here, this church. He sent me here to Minneapolis to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so the hearing 
people will be saved. But today's message is important because fear often plays a vital role in our lives. Like I said, fear is an emotion, but cowardice is a spirit. Timothy is being asked by Paul to come visit him and suffer with him. Let me repeat that. Paul is, be, is asking Timothy to come visit him and suffer with him. And Timothy is a bit timid. Most scholars believe based upon his profile, he's probably a, a maybe a mild temperament man. Very docile. Not a take charge kind of guy, but he's faithful to Paul. And he's been raised up in leadership to be the bishop of Ephesus. But he's facing opposition everywhere. Internally, externally, from Jews and from people who think he's too young to be a pastor. He's facing all this opposition. But Paul's charge and challenge for him is to stay faithful despite the challenges he faces. All right. I got a quote by Justin Martyr. And as you can guess, Justin Martyr was what? He was martyred, y'all. Just letting you know. I may, his name may give it away, but that was his name for birth. So I guess it was kind of predestined for him. Nevertheless, not uh, necessarily that Calvinistic per se, or not necessarily Calvinistic, just trying to say that's his name. Let's jump into the uh, quote here by Justin Martyr. He says, And when, you're, when you hear that we look for a kingdom, you suppose, without making an inquiry or asking, that we speak of a human kingdom. So remember, during this day and time, the church believed a kingdom was coming. And remember, a lot of the Jews died believing that Jesus Christ was the messianic king, which he was. But they died believing Jesus was going to set up the kingdom then, now. Jesus had to rebuke his disciples over and over and say, not yet, not yet, not yet. They kept asking. Even after he was resurrected, he kept saying, not yet. Then finally he said, it's not even up to you. It's not even meant for you to know the day or time my father is set. Just keep being faithful is his point. But just tomorrow highlights this point. He says, and when you hear that we look for a kingdom because all Christians do, you suppose without making an inquiry that we speak of a human kingdom. Instead, we speak of that which is, which is with God. As can be shown from the confession of their faith made by those who are charged with being Christians. Even though they know that death is a, excuse me, even though they know that death is the punishment awarded to those who so confess. So what he's making the point is, during this day and time, for people to confess they were Christians was automatic death. Here we do baptisms publicly, or we put it on Facebook so other people can see it. And we're like, yeah, we're like, good job. I'm so proud of you. Do you know, historically, when you did a baptism, that meant death. So when you got baptized publicly, that then was the end. So to confess Jesus during that day and time had, different con- had a different context and different consequences than it does today. But he says, even though they know that death is the punishment award to those who so confess. For if we look for a human kingdom, we would deny our Christ so that we may not be killed. So what is he saying? If our heart's desire was that here on earth, we can have everything we want. And God's promises were that we get it all here in this life. We would not be bold for Christ. We would be hidden for Christ because we would think we would miss the rewards we can get here on this earth. But because we know our rewards are eternal, we stay faithful. 
Because we don't get all our rewards here on this earth. That's a fact of our faith. And it's a challenge of our reality. It says, we would try to escape detection so that we might obtain what we hope for here on this earth. But since our thoughts are not fixed on the present, we are not concerned when men cut us off since death is a debt which must at all events be paid. So if your heart's set on getting everything from God here on earth, every promise, every success happens here on the planet earth, you're going to compromise is what he's saying. Why? Because you want all the promises now. But God has set a reality that we don't get it all here on the earth. We get everything from God in full measure, comprehensively in heaven. But the challenge is that's not what we want. I want it all now. God's like, no, not now. But soon. This is the message Timothy is communicating, being communicated to by Paul. In verse 7, the scripture everybody knows, it says what? For God has not given us a what? But a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I've memorized that scripture years ago and say it over and over. I said it when I went to Iraq because I was like, I could die going to Iraq. I didn't have life insurance at the time. So I was so scared, like, oh, Lord, keep me in Iraq because I don't have life insurance for my family and I'd look like a bad husband. In my mind, that's what I thought I'd be. But he preserved me. Now, was I scared going over there? I was fearful, but I went anyway. And when you respond that way in the face of fear, that's called courage. There's not one human being that doesn't have fear somewhere in their lives. Now, we can overcome fear through God's love because love perfected drives out fear. But this word fear here is not phobias. It's not the normal fear that we see throughout human interaction. I had a fear that I would be late. That's not demonic. That's not satanic. That's a reality. Now, anybody who has no fear, anybody read uh, Tony, Dungy, Tony Dungy's book, um, Uncommon? I think it's called Uncommon, the one about his son who had no sensation of pain. And his son would put his hand on like a hot iron or in the stove and just burn it. And it was, but somebody had to come and pull his hand's son off because his son didn't realize he was killing himself. So pain and fear have positive elements, add positive value to our life here on earth. Phobios. This word is not phobios. This word is a different Greek word. D E-I-L-I-S. Can anybody pronounce that for me? D-E-I-L-I-S. Babe? Thank you, Nate. See, you do it every time. You come through for me. That word, you know what that word means? Cowardness. This word would have been better translated as, for God has not given us a spirit of cowardness, but a spirit of power, Love and of Salmon. It changes the context greatly. What is Paul telling Timothy? Don't be a coward. God has not given you the spirit of a coward, but He's given you the spirit of power, dudamus, of love, agape, and of a Salmon or self discipline. 
God has given us because of our salvation this spirit of self-control, this spirit of love that is his, and ultimately this spirit of power which is deutimus. So Paul is trying to remind Timothy, you're not a coward. Don't act like one. Come out and see me. And I began to wrestle with that. There have been, and who, who, I hear people all the time, and I say this is so funny, when people go and give their testimony, watch, I'm just saying how to look at people. Normally when people give their testimony, how God delivered them, they talk about how God delivered them from drugs, sex, stealing, and in a sense, these are like glamorous sins. Just, I know there's not glamorous, just stick with me for a minute. Glamorous. But you never hear somebody say, God delivered me from cowardness. Do you? I was a coward. I didn't want to go and do that. Nobody talked because that's not manly or tough. Like everybody, because we look at cowardness like, oh, you are one of those. You're timid. Okay. But that's what he's talking about here. Timothy, don't be a coward. Be bold. He's not saying, I know, he's not saying there shouldn't be any fear because Timothy's eventually going to die. He's going to go through trials and tribulations. Timothy's going to want to give up. But Paul's saying, be brave. Be brave, Timothy. And what's the foundation of his request? The spirit of God that's in him. It's God's spirit that gives you the ability to be brave. He goes on to say, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul is in jail for preaching about Jesus Christ. We live in a culture today. I remember their time when they first said, you can't put your Bible any longer on your desk at work. Does anybody remember when that principal went around offices? You can't do it anymore. Because if you do that, then you're offending people. The Christian culture, the Christian values have been eliminated from our culture, which is now secular or pagan at best. But man, now to stand for Christ, oh my gosh, that'll make me ashamed. That's not what he's really saying. He said, if you don't stand for Christ, oh, I don't want to say it, but this is the last hard serve, y'all. I guess it's better after this. If you don't stand for Christ, he said, don't be a coward. That's not, look, don't look at me with those eyes. I'm just trying to say what the Bible says. He said, don't be a coward. And I've realized this cowardice comes throughout all our lives. It's just not standing for Jesus. Some people say, I'm not going to witness. I'm not going to evangelize. You could be afraid to evangelize, but if you don't do it, that's cowardness. I'm not willing to go on a mission trip. I'm afraid. You can have fear, but to not do it, that's... These aren't my words. This is what the scripture's teaching us. Cowardness is not a spirit given to us by God. God has given us a dynamic spirit of love, of power, of self-discipline. And he's telling Timothy, this young man, this millennial... This Generation X or this baby boomer, who, he's probably not a baby boomer, but nevertheless, he's telling this young man, look, be bold for Jesus. You think he's done? He's like, look, don't be ashamed of the testament of Jesus, nor of me being in prison. Paul has been in prison for two years straight 
Then he gets out of prison and some people think he goes back to prison. And people looking at Paul like, I don't want that. That's not the Christianity I want. And that's what people are saying. You're going to find later on in the letter, two people left him because they kept seeing Paul getting beaten and going to jail. And they said, that ain't what I want. I don't want that. And that's when I preach endurance. Why? Endurance, it sounds like a tough word. It sounds like it's painful, as Greg said about fasting earlier. But actually, it's a word of hope. You know, people say this all the time, and they're actually talking about endurance. They say, there's a purpose, right? There's, all, there's a reason for everything. People say that all the time. There's a reason for everything. Now, sometimes the reason is you made a bad choice, but that's not necessarily what they're trying to say. But there is a reason in God's eyes for everything, right? There's a reason God's telling you to go tell that person about Jesus, because you are the only Jesus they're going to see in their life. And if you say, I'm going to offend them, understand if somebody was about to fall off a cliff and you don't tell them anything, you're not worried about offending them. The issue is, do you think they're going to fall off a cliff? The issue is, do you think they're going to hell forever? If you don't believe that, then man, let them go where they're going. That's not really a cliff. But if you know that's a cliff, if you believe that Jesus died for them, then you're the only person who could tell them that you got to wrestle with your fear and be bold. Tell people about Jesus. He goes on to say, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Hey, I'm getting ready to go on a mission trip, y'all. I'm about to suffer. I'm going to suffer horribly. <laughs> I'm going to say that down equal. I'm going to get, I may get ran over by a steamroller, my wife's greatest fear, just so you know. <laughs> that's the one she don't like. I mean, I could call out everybody's greatest fears and say, that's going to happen. Who's going with me, right? And no one's going to raise their hand. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. He said, come get run over by a steamroller with me. And Timothy's reading is like, what is happening? I didn't want to sign up for this. His grandma, Eunice, is the one who told him about the faith. And now he's following Paul. And now he's being told he's about to die. He's like, no, I don't want this. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. I like that. Listen to this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. He's given us a clarifying statement because he's about to go somewhere so amazing. The reason why I could talk the way I'm talking is because we have a living hope. Our hope is that eternity is real. That we're just not trying to create a church, a building, an organization. That we're trying to prep people for eternity. You're being prepared to rule and reign with Christ. You're going to be royalty for all eternity. And if that is the case, you need to learn how to rule. You're learning now. Think about King David. Remember King David? He was a shepherd, right? First. And then he was running around in the forest and the desert with these vagabond men. He was being prepared to be king. Contrast him with Saul, who became king immediately. There was no time of waiting, and he rebelled against God. Now, I'm not saying David was perfect, but he did not rebel against God the way Saul did. You're being prepared. And he's setting up here what his point is. Why do you have to be strong? Why should we be bold? How can we stand brave in the face of death or suffering? He said, God called us to this. He's separate. This is a separated calling. We're not going to act like the rest of the world. 
And we didn't earn this place because of our own effort. Now here's the good part. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This is the part I like. Who in here, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, who in here has a job description at your job? Anybody have a job description? Yet, everybody. Okay. Currently, you have a job description. How old is the job you're currently in? Does anybody know how old the pl- your place of employment is? Somebody? Say it louder. Pretty old. <laughs> Somebody else? Five years. Now, now, I'm not saying how long you've worked there. I'm saying how old is the place where you work? How long has that existed? There you go, 1940. That's what I need. 2000. Okay, good, good. There you go. How how many? Over 100 years, right? So I love Chris's, over 100 years. Now think about it. When these jobs were created, somebody like Greg and Don probably put together job descriptions for the jobs, right? So, and they're probably about as old as a company, right? Maybe even Jared too, I don't know, but Tim. But check this out. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began, there was a job description given to us before the foundation of the earth. God had a job description for us before the earth was created. Now, which one should take the precedent? Don't do it to me, Pastor Bath. That's what I do. I live for these moments. There was a job God created for us before the earth existed. Not just before America existed. Before the planet. But has now been revealed to us by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this job description was just revealed to us once Jesus came on the earth. Now we know the job. Now we know what we need to do. He goes on, he who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This word here, I love. It's the word you got to get in your spirit, as you just say in Pentecostal churches. Who can say, I'm immortal? That didn't even sound right coming out of my mouth. Don't say it, Augustus. Who can say, I'm immortal? That's what this is about. This is, we're not talking about the fountain of youth or singularity or fixing our genes so we live forever. This is talking about genuine immortality. That's what this is about. You are going to live forever. Do you know we all are going to live forever? Do you know even if you don't accept Christ, you're going to live forever? Do you know there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous and unrighteous? We're all going to live forever. The distinction will be the quality of life you have for eternity. Death is not the end. Paul's saying, you don't got to be scared. You may be saying, that's scary. I'm like, I know. It's fearful. But you can't be a coward. That's his message. You have courage in you. You know why? Because you have God's spirit in you. It's in there. You have power to overcome your fear. 
There's enough love in you to overcome your fear. You have discipline in you to overcome every single fear that is assailing you at this point. Question is, do you trust God? The preacher and apostle and teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed going to jail. I'm not ashamed being flogged. I'm not ashamed people looking at my life. I'm not ashamed of the quality of clothes I wear, the quality of friends I keep. I'm not ashamed of any of that. Why? Because I'm doing this for God who prepared me for this before the earth was created. For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. One of the second most popular scriptures in all the Bible. As I've done funerals, this is one of the scriptures you use. That we're sacrificing everything for Jesus. Some people may look at Christians and like, why are you making these sacrifices? Your life is horrible. And Paul will say, if Jesus Christ had not been resurrected, we are the most miserable of all people. Why? Because we sacrifice so much for Jesus now. Those of you who are tithing regularly, people are looking at you like, keep that money. What are you doing? You could go buy you a new car with that flute. You could buy you a bigger house, some more clothes. What are you going to church on Sunday? You better sleep in and get ready for the Vikings game. You better tailgate. Like, why get married? Go out and play the field, sell your oats. Why be faithful to a spouse? You're not happy. Go find somebody else. Like, you're sacrificing for Jesus. It's not just for any old good ethic. You're doing this because you're committed to Jesus. All these choices. Believe that he has a better resurrection for you. Got a couple points and we'll jump into the community. First point. Fear of suffering is not from God. And I'll say fear, I'll say cowardness is not from God. But a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind in the face of suffering is. So when fear comes on you, you need to make a choice. And when you just say, I'm not going to do that, despite that's what God's telling you to do, that's cowardice. That, that ain't God. Understand that it's unnatural for believers to succumb to fear. I remember before kickoff and when I played for the Vikings, I was on the kickoff team because that's how rookies make the team, the kickoff team. You had to run down there as fast as possible and run into other human beings. That was the job. And if you didn't do that, you'd be on the next thing, smoke out of town, right? So you had no choice. Like, I have to run and hit this man who's twice my size, who's trying to feed his family. Let me run as hard as I can and hopefully not lose consciousness. And then the music will come on. And I run down, ah, scream the whole way. Hopefully I wouldn't even notice the pain that I did every time because it hurt every time, right? Fear. To succumb to fear. That's not natural. God has made you better than that. We need to do it so we'll be persuaded that he is about to keep us faithful until our last breath. Our job is to be faithful to God all the way until the end. Your swag is in God's hands. God is trying to give us everything. And he has it. Be faithful until you get it. last one remember you have a lot to be confident about 
God. Where's your confidence this morning? Is your confidence your own effort? Is your confidence your own looks or your own intellect, your own goodness, your own righteousness? No, our confidence is in God. And if you're struggling with that, if you're a bit off today, understand he died so that you could be confident until the end. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. on my head I don't have